Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Thank you so much for being here. If you're joining with us online, we are so glad that you could join us today as well. Uh, just If you don't know me, my name is Jaden Payne. I'm a student here attending FCC. Um, some things that I like to do, I'm a junior at Norwell High School. I like to play tennis. I like to run track. And also, in general, I like to play some games. How, how many of you out there like to play games? Show of hands. All right. All right. Better than first service. They're kind of lame. Um, but, <laughs> so I, I don't know what the actual term for this game is, but... Um, we're going to have a picture up on the board that's like super far zoomed in and yeah, that. <laughs> and so what I want you guys to do is to try to guess what that picture is. And if you can't, then we'll zoom out a little bit and see if you can't guess that. And then if you can't, we'll just show you what the full picture is. So any guesses on what that is? <laughs> she was here first service. He's cheating a little bit. <laughs> so go to the second picture. Any more guesses? An eye. Yes, I heard an eye. Third slide. It is Taylor Thompson's eyeball. <laughs> All right. And the second one's a bit harder. And no spoilers this time. So first picture for the second one. What is that? A wall? All right. You guys are definitely not going to get this. Uh, second picture. What is that? <laughs> oh, man. Might as well just show them the third picture. Guys, it's Taylor sniffing a candle. Come on. <laughs> what, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> so, <laughs> the, the, the point of doing that was, it's, it's hard to know what the whole picture is when we're only zoomed in on a little part of it, right? Can't tell the whole picture when we're only zoomed in on a little part. And I think that was something that Jesus taught me last year on a youth trip. We went to YWAM, stands for Youth with a Mission, uh, the, some of the youth group, we went to Madison, Wisconsin, and we, the purpose of the trip was just to go into the community and serve, have some intentional spiritual conversations with people uh, by doing a different form of ministry every week or every day of the week. And so on the second day of the trip, uh, we grilled up some hot dogs, got some bags of chips, got some little water bottles and prepared these sack lunches. And we went to um, just went to the streets of downtown Madison and ate with some homeless people. We did not just give them food and walk away, but we sat down with them and had some intentional conversations about God with them. Um, and the leader of the group I was in, his name was Chris, and as we're walking down the road, uh, we had just got done helping somebody else, talking with somebody else, having a really good conversation, and it just left me with that like feel-good kind of feeling like, man, I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone, but like that, that was good. I like doing that. And then... We continue walking, and kind of in my peripheral vision, I see this guy on the other side of the street. Um, he just looked really unclean is the best way to describe it. Um, he, he looked like he just hadn't showered in a while. Uh, he was just sitting alone on a bench, and everybody was just kind of passing by, not really paying any attention to him. And so I thought to myself, I was like, could, could we maybe talk to that guy? And I, I continued having these thoughts in my mind. And then, I kid you not, he pulled out a joint and started smoking marijuana right there in the middle of downtown Madison because that is unfortunately legal there. But um, 
when I saw that, I was like, no, <laughs> no way. I, I definitely do not want to go and talk to that guy if he's going to be doing stuff like that. Like, that's just no way. I, I can't do that. And so the leader, Chris, he actually brought us to um, a crosswalk. And so we ended up crossing the street and walking right towards this guy. And I'm starting to get a little nervous because I'm like, I really don't want to talk to this guy. Like, if I don't, I don't know what he's doing. He's getting high right in front of me. I don't know what he's going to do. And so um, we continue to walk closer to him. And Chris, he takes one of the sacks of lunch. He slaps it on my chest and he says, Jaden, I think you got this one. <laughs> I was like, Chris, man, are you sure you're not on marijuana too, dude? Like, <laughs> I don't think I can do this. I don't think I, don't think I can. But... Um, Chris ended up starting the conversation, and then I ended up um, taking after a little bit. But what I learned and what Jesus showed me was that that man was actually a lot more similar to me than I would have guessed just by seeing him on the outside. He, he too, found an interest in talking about God. And we sat down and we did talk with him, and we did have an intentional conversation with him. And it went really well. And I think today God wants to kind of expand on that a little bit. So if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be in Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Starting in verse 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. I think there's three things that Jesus wants us to get from that. We're going to break it down into a couple of the different verses. Um, the first thing is Jesus kind of giving us a warning. He's saying, the way that you judge others is the same way that God is going to judge you. I'm going to read Matthew 7, 1 through 2 again. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is telling us that it goes deeper than just outward appearance. He reinforced this point a couple verses earlier in Matthew 6, 22 through 23, where he said, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy and your whole body, excuse me, sorry. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? When we look at other people and all we see are their flaws, the actual problem isn't them. Theologian L.A. Barbieri once said, Though judgment is sometimes needed, those making the distinctions must first be certain of their own lives. There's a really big problem when we as Christians choose to only look at the exterior of other people. Because in reality, the problem is not so much with them, but it's with us and our own heart. That kind of brings us to point two. The second thing I think Jesus wants us to get from this today. Um, before we look on the outside, we have to start on the inside. I'll recap Matthew 7.3, which says, Why do you look at the speck 
of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. 1 Samuel 16.7 says, People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. There's a story in the Old Testament, the story of a guy named Jonah. If you don't know much about him and his story, he was a prophet that was called by God to preach at many different places. And in one particular moment, God called him to go to Nineveh to preach. And Nineveh, if you think of Nineveh, they're the place where the worst kind of sinners were there. Like, just the most malicious, evil type of people you can imagine, they all lived there. And so upon being called to go preach at Nineveh, Jonah, instead of going there, he intentionally hopped on a boat to Tarshish, which was in the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. And as he was in the boat on the way there, this great storm came, and it was so bad to the point that it even started breaking the boat. Jonah was in the lower part of the boat asleep while the other crew members were like freaking out because their boat was being destroyed and this huge storm is threatening to take their boat and their lives. And they went down and they, they woke him up and they said, cry out to your God that he might have compassion on us, that he might have mercy on us. And they were asking, they were all crying out like, God, why is this happening to us? And so they cast lots to find out like whose fault it was and like what was going on. And the lots fell on Jonah. When that happened, Jonah admitted to them, I, he intentionally ran away from God, that it was his fault, and that if he was thrown from the ship, then the storms would cease. And so that's what they did. They threw Jonah off the boat, and immediately the storm ceased. The Bible says that a large fish appointed by God came and swallowed up Jonah, and then over the course of three days took him to um, and spit him up on the beach, which was a short walk away from Nineveh. And three days is quite a bit of time to reflect over your actions. Um, and so he rightfully decided that he was going to actually go to Nineveh this time and preach what God told him to preach. And once he did that, they repented. They found God. And they put away their false idols and they actually made sacrifices to God. But the point of that story that I want to focus on is Jonah 4.2, which says this. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. So Jonah just admitted to God that he didn't run away from Nineveh because he was scared of the Ninevites. He did it because his hatred for the Ninevites was so great that he did not want God to save them. If you, if you just stop and think about that, I do not want us here at FCC, to be people who do that, who view others and view only their outside, their outside appearance and let that stop us from talking to them about God. In the story of the Good Samaritan, um, it says that a man is walking down a path where he is beaten, robbed, stripped of his clothing, and left half dead. 
And first along the path comes a priest. A priest is somebody who you might think would be more compassionate and willing to help. But he didn't. The second person to come down the path was a Levite. Levites were the ones who were appointed by God to be leaders and to be influential, to make a difference. But similarly to the priest, the Levite did not do anything to help the man in need. Jesus instead highlights that it's, it was the Samaritan, the supposed enemy of the person injured, that took him in, got him the help that he needed, stitched up his wounds, took him to a hotel, and even told the guy, like, hey, however long it takes him for him to be healed, I'll pay for all the nights he needs to be here. There's a really interesting statistic I looked up the other day. In 1945, 76% of people in the United States identified as a regular church attender. 76% of people in 1945 replied that they would attend church on a weekly basis. And in 2020, for the first time in U.S. history, we fell under 50%. As I said before, I do not want FCC to just be another statistic to be a church that loses attendance and ends up losing the church. FCC, my vision, and I believe the vision that God has for us, is to be a church that continues to thrive, continues to grow. And I think Jesus is like, he's expressing to us that we cannot let the color of somebody's hair, the number of piercings they might have, or the amount of tattoos they have covering their body, we cannot let that stuff stop us from telling other people about God. If we look at other people like Jonah did and we look just so in detail at what they're doing in their life and their external choices and we decide that we're going to make this preconceived notion that we don't like them and we don't want to associate with them just because of the stuff that we're seeing, that's not okay. Just because we might know that somebody is an addict, whether that be to pornography, alcohol, or drugs... Or maybe just because somebody's wearing a pride flag on their shirt or came out as transgender. We cannot let that stuff stop us from adding another soul to the kingdom of heaven. We cannot be like the first two people in the story of the Good Samaritan who just turned a blind eye and walked past the people in need. We need to stop focusing on someone else's exterior and start focusing on our own hearts. In the Great Commission... Jesus tells us, go and make disciples of all nations. A friend told me one time that the word go actually more literally translates to as you go. So that means as you go, make disciples of all nations. Whatever you do on a daily basis, the situations that you're in, whether you're at work, um, just doing like a hobby, you're at the library, or whatever, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, we are called to make disciples everywhere we go. And in order to do that, again, we cannot be like those two other people in the story of the Good Samaritan. The third thing I think Jesus is highlighting today throughout these verses is that there's a better way to judge. I'll recap Matthew 7, 5. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
if we're going to make a difference out there in the world, it has to start with us in our hearts. The first half of verse 5, first, first, take the plank out of your own eye. In the story of the prodigal son, we see a father and two sons, a younger brother and an older brother. The younger brother asks his father for his inheritance early, which, mind you, back in that time, the inheritance was given when the father passed away. So essentially, the younger brother is going to his dad and saying, Hey, dad, I wish you were dead. Can you give me some money? And so that probably, as one would imagine, is not something the father would want to hear. But he did. He gave the money to him anyway. And that younger brother went and squandered all of it. He, he found himself tending to pigs and wishing that he could eat what the pigs were eating. And so he realizes at this point, man, I messed up big time. And so he, he plans on going back home and begging his dad for forgiveness. And he even, he even thought to himself, there's no way my dad will ever accept me as a son again. So maybe I can convince him to let me be a servant in his house. But as soon as the younger brother was within sight of the father, the father was already running towards him, arms open wide, calling for the finest robe, a ring, and the fattened calf to be killed so a celebration could be thrown in his honor. The older brother in this story was so angry that the father just welcomed back the younger brother. The older brother said, I stayed with you the whole time. Why is he getting a robe and a ring and the fattened calf being killed? Why is he having a party when I stayed with you the whole time? That's not fair. The older brother ended up missing out on the entire celebration of the return of his younger brother because he was so focused on the outward choices that his brother made that he did not experience the joy of the feast that ended up being had for the younger brother. I don't want any of us here today to leave so focused on any exterior situation, whether that be of a person or a situation, that you miss out on the, heaven, or the feast that the Heavenly Father is preparing for you. The second half of verse 5 says, And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The first part of verse 5 told us to remove the plank, and the second part of the verse tells us why. And that's so that we can help others do the same thing. When God does a good work in you, it's because he's preparing to do something in the world through you. The verse verse said, do not judge, pretty point blank. But the Bible actually does make it clear that there are times where we are supposed to judge. There is a book in the Bible called Judges, where God appoints judges to speak truth into people's lives and set them free from slavery. There are times where God is instructing us to judge others, but again, the point that Jesus is trying to drive is that there is a right way to do it. Leviticus 19.15 says, You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. In righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Taking another look at the story of the prodigal son, I want to shift the focus from the younger brother and the older brother to that of the father. The son had prepared the speech and was again preparing to beg for his father's forgiveness, but the father wouldn't listen. 
He already had his arms wrapped around him, calling for the ring, the robe, and the fattened calf to be killed to have a party, to have a celebration. The father was willing to look past those external decisions that were made and still welcome him home and love him regardless. And that is what it looks like to judge righteously. That is the kind of judging that King Jesus is calling us to do. There are going to be times where it's really hard to, to do that because, let's be honest, the world, it, it seems like it's going downhill. Generations that continue going on. And me being in high school, I, I see a lot of kids that are just continuing to go down the wrong path and make very poor choices. And there are next generations. We are the next generation. But we need to realize who we really are in the story of the prodigal son. Because sometimes it's easy to think that we are the father. Because I'm sure in, for some of us there have been times where uh, we, uh, we've tried to help somebody. We do something with them and they kind of stab us in the back. And they do something that they shouldn't. And then we forgive them. We show them mercy and we welcome them back willingly. Um, and that is definitely a very good thing. But that does not qualify you to be the father. We are the son. We are the younger brother in the story of the prodigal son. We are the ones who by sinning took every good gift that God gave us and squandered it. We are the ones who took our father's gifts, shut him out, turned away from him, and just ignored him. Did what we wanted to do. Took life into our own hands. We stepped in the driver's seat and kicked him out. We're the ones who should be begging for the forgiveness of our Father because we really do not deserve a chance to live with Him in heaven. But despite all the choices that we've made, whatever they may be, He's already running towards you, arms open wide. He's calling for that robe to be put on you, that ring and the fattened calf to be killed, to have a celebration for you. He's ready to invite you into a relationship with Him today. And he's waiting, and he's ready to throw a party just for you. As we wrap up, I want all of us to take some time to zoom out of what's going on in the world, outside, and in people's exterior. Don't get so caught up in other people's choices that you forget to zoom in on your own heart and your own intentions. Take a moment to listen to the possible warnings that God may be giving to you. Ask God if there's something he's trying to tell you or something he wants to show you. And look back and see if there's something you need to leave here doing today that you were not doing before. Ked Mosier, he once told me, Jaden, if the enemy can get you to fixate and forget, then he's winning. If we get so hyper fixated on the choices of other people and the sins that they make and that prevents us from talking to them about God, the enemy's winning. The enemy's getting what he wants. We can't do that. As I said before, I do not want FCC to be a church that falls victim and just becomes another statistic. I believe that together, if we go out today, leave this building, and we continue to be the church, not just today, but as soon as we leave and the rest of the days of the week, that we can influence 
lives and change lives and invite some people into the kingdom of heaven. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity um, to come before the church today. And I pray that um, just as we leave today, God, that you would uh, lay your hand on people's hearts, God, and um, just convict people uh, and to do what you want them to do, God. Let us lean not on our own understanding, but God, I pray that you would just guide each and every one of us to do what you are calling us to do. And I pray that as, again, we leave today, that hopefully we can continue to talk to people about God, have some intentional spiritual conversations, and invite people to come home and enjoy the feast with our Heavenly Father. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.